ain't a perfect picture, pictures ain't my thing But I could put a story in your head and open up your eyes So listen close, this one is for my brothers, sisters, cousins, all humans alike Let's take a second to remind ourselves to keep you humble And if my brother... Okay, so we're back with the Juby Take. I'm Steve. I'm Adam. And tonight we're going to talk about duck football because some stuff's gone on. A little bit. There's been um, some developments in the program. Uh, as far as the football program is concerned. And I think that's really what we're going to focus on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of why I said duck football. But anyway. All right. All right. So the season, you know, we've talked about this. We've we've done some recaps of where we are. Yes. We haven't talked about this since the uh, Civil War game. Right. I think that overall we had a fairly good season, you know. Well, a bounce back season from last year. Last yeah. year was the disappointment and... And really, you know, Helfrich wasn't the answer. Right. And we and, found that out. All right. We'll get into that a little bit more about some of the dynamic with, with Mark Helfrich. But, okay, so, you know, we beat Arizona right. at home. Uh, we became bowl eligible. And then we played Oregon State. And, and we, we had lost to them last year. Right. And for as bad as we were last year, they were even worse this year. Mm-hmm. Their coach walked away they showed it. in October. He just said, you know what? I don't want to do this. And I don't like Corvallis. And yeah. yeah. Did you see that they got Mike Riley back? Yeah, I did. As an assistant head coach. I know, but you're, you're jumping ahead a bit. Sorry. Yeah. Well, anyway, they were, they were horrible and we beat them 69 to 13. Uh, yeah, that's, that was the total. And it's the most points ever scored in the Civil War in the hundred and some odd years that that's been going on. We demolished them. It and it wasn't as close as w- the final score. It wasn't pretty. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was wonderful. Right. And the one thing about that game, it's the only game this year that you and I didn't watch together. That's true. That's true. And that was um, an interesting fact about that game. And it would have been a lot of fun. I think we would have walked away from that game um, I, I'm pretty sure I would have called a taxi home or an Uber. Or yeah. Yeah. There you are with the, uh, doing shots. Now I will say that for the first three scores, I did a shot. Oh yeah. We were sending pictures. I was, was definitely having my, my end over there at my place. And every time the duck scores, uh, John Casper texts me, go ducks. Nice. So I'm assuming that he was taking a shot over there. Yeah. Doing the same thing. Right. Hopefully, we can all hope. It was a serious blowout. Well, what happened after that is the chain reaction from some of the other moves that have coaching moves that that happened throughout the country. At the end of the season, you know, every program in the country is looking at how did we do? Do we need to be better? And what do we do to be better? And where are we going with it? And, you know, for a lot of programs, they're not, they didn't end up doing as well as they thought they were going to. And when that happens, you look a lot of times towards the coach. You look at, you know, what what's going to happen there. And and then from there, what's the solution? Going out and finding someone better. Right. And that's happened a lot this offseason. Well, it, how it, what affects us, what happened is Texas A&M fired their coach, Kevin Sumlin. Yep. And so that position was open. And the person they wanted was the Florida State coach. Right. So they made him a huge offer. Huge and there's so it's 70 million yeah, over 10 years yeah 7 so, million a year yeah something ridiculous so there's all this speculation now that okay well taggart somehow is 
you know, a hot name. Well, right. I mean, and so, you know, and he's a Florida guy. He's from Florida. So the Florida job became open, but they hired someone else. But then Florida State became open. Because of Willie Taggart's name being in the media, you know, throughout, I mean, with his recruiting, the coaching staff he put on, you know, the, the well, flip season a little bit with Oregon, I feel like a lot of right. that. Right. Okay. So, yes, Oregon was a better a team coach. this year. Well, yes, he did. But I have a, a, a couple issues with this. Number one, he did. The best thing he did at Oregon was the staff he put together. Right. But that wasn't just Willie Taggart. I mean, Willie Taggart's a salesman. He is. Which makes him a really good recruiter. But he's a salesman. So, you know, you look at the staff that he put together, and it's a tremendous staff. And they're all really good recruiters. Well, the reason he was able to do that is that the University of Oregon and Rob Mullins, the athletic director, said, here, here's $4.5 million. That's just for your staff. Right. So... Instead of getting three or four hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars for an assistant coach, he went out and signed these guys where uh, Mario Cristobal for seven hundred thousand. Love it for one point one million. Love it for one point one million. And so all of these guys, they had he had more money to offer them. Right. Plus, it's an elite program. University of Oregon is has made it to the level of. I think anybody else, you know, unless you, you know, you talk about Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State, Alabama in recent years. There's probably but, a handful, maybe 10, 10 at max teams that you would put above Oregon. Right. Well, we don't have the history going back. Exactly. You know, it's. I guess at this moment in time, you know. But where Oregon is with their facilities and the, the winning that they've done over the past 10 years, yeah. it's one of the most winning programs in college football. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so he put this staff together and, you know, I, I really felt if, if, you know, Justin Herbert hadn't gotten hurt, our quarterback, yep. uh, we probably went 10 games, at least nine games, maybe 11. Right. And then at that point, honestly, you're kind of in the playoff race. I mean, if you look at a lot of the, the, the teams that were in, I mean, I don't know how many quality wins we would have had to really get us in there, but you look at a lot of the the teams that I mean Alabama's in there. I think they have two, three losses. One. Do they have one? Yeah. Okay. Who has it? One of them has two. Someone has two that's in there. I think. But yeah. And anyway, well, I mean, just saying that. I mean, at that point, you know, you're. It's a completely different feeling to the right. season. Right. I, and I wouldn't even talk about the playoffs. I don't think we were that quality of team. But the the talent was there. But the Mark Helfrich group and you know where we had gone. Brady Hoke is a defensive coordinator. That just that's horrible. Our defense was horrible. Everything. Yeah. But we still had players. And what this coaching staff did is they got the players to play harder and play with more passion. So it was good. Great results. Okay. So what happens is that the Florida State job becomes open. And what really is horrible about this whole thing is is the dynamic of you know you're talking about Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday is is when Fisher takes the, the job at Texas A&M and right. Florida State's looking around. And, of course, Taggart's name is out there. And he's getting in front of the media uh, on his normal press conferences because we're bowl eligible, so we're going to be playing in the Las Vegas Bowl against Boise State. Exactly. And so the questions are, Willie, are you going to be the coach in the bowl game? Willie, are you going to be at Oregon next year? 
And he just danced around it. Yeah, he never answered the question. He never fully. answered the question. You know, do I look happy? You know, he just everything was. It got real smarmy to yeah. me. And he's the guy that when he showed up here, he was all about honesty and integrity and do something and and you know all of these things that he wants to, you know, proclaim he was himself. Selling it. I mean, well, like he said again, he's a salesman. He's a salesman. But I could tell that he wasn't being honest. And what frustrated me was that, you know, I was pretty sure he was leaving because he just was so evasive, but he's out recruiting, you know, and he's got, you know, Phil Knight's private jet that's flying him actually down to Phoenix. Right. So he was down here talking to the the Hamilton quarterback and, but he's meeting with Florida State in Scottsdale after he meets with this kid. Well, he's, he's sitting there talking to this kid saying, Oregon is great. He's, he's talking to the recruits or, you know, they're, they have a, a really good recruiting class that oh, they yeah. put together. You know, it's depending on which service you're looking at, you're talking about five, six, four in the nation and a lot of really good kids. And, and he's talking to all of them about Oregon while he's planning on meeting with, with Florida, Florida state. state. And the thing that frustrates me, it, it wasn't even about that. It's that he had already decided he was going to take the job. Right. I mean, it, his agent was was making the deal when he finally met with them on Sunday, I believe, down here. He'd already decided that, you know, if they'll take him, he's gone. Well, I mean, even, you know, I, I remember I was watching uh, ESPN and, and they were showing the press conference of the AFSU athletic director, I believe, and um, just the conversations that he was having and he kind of had a, I think a smarmy little smirk on his face and, and, and was happy and just kind of gloating at this whole situation. Um, and just kind of gloating about how Taggart was talking about how easy of a decision it was and how it was a no brainer. Um, exactly. And, and you know, some of the things that, that I saw that made sense to me is that if you're at South Florida and you get an opportunity to go to Oregon and he showed up here, dream job facilities, you know, through the roof, you know, I just got the keys to a Lamborghini, you know, right. all of these things, you know, Oregon isn't the second class to anybody. Right. And, you know, that's what he was talking about. And that was the commitment he made to Rob Mullins and made to the program at no time, which is not unprecedented. It's, it's easy to do say, listen, okay, here's what I want you to know. If the Florida state job becomes open, Take I'm taking it. Yeah. If they'll have me, I want this known up front. Nobody else. There's no other program in the nation that I will leave you for. And, and, and that was known, I think, after Nick. I mean, it was, it was brought up that, that Taggart said there wasn't, and I think that was truthful. There wasn't another program or, you know, maybe Florida, but there wasn't other flor- programs that would have been as intriguing as Florida it's, State to him but at all. Here's my point. He didn't say that going in. Well, I know. That's he, didn't, a, he didn't say that. No, it wasn't before the fact. I'm saying it was brought up after the fact. Right. And my point is... Of course he could have brought it up before. Exactly. Yeah. If you're sitting down with Rob Mullins and you, the University of Oregon job is on the table and you say, okay, I want to be honest with you that the only job that I will leave you for is Florida State or Florida or Saskatchewan He could have given a heads up. The fact is... Honesty. He, he keeps talking about honesty and he keeps talking about that you know he was straightforward with everybody and told everybody everything. No, he didn't. Right. And he really didn't. And then and that's become very, very relevant in, in, in a lot of conversations apparently that he had with 
everyone. I mean, all of the well, recruits. Current, current players, current some players. of the recruits all feel like they were lied to. Exactly. And I believe that to be the case. I think he was playing both sides against the middle. I think that, that he knew that if I can get the Florida State job, I'm taking it. But he didn't say that. And what I, he said was, is that I'm the Oregon coach. Don't I look happy? Why would I be leaving? Now, one thing that was said as well, or that has been said is, you know, how do you know that that, you don't think that that job is going to be available yet? He had no idea that job was going to be available when he first came to Oregon. Of course he didn't, but that's and, not the point. Well, and I get that. I get what you're saying. You know, that, that any, it should be like a resume when they fill out a resume in, into any coaching, you know, they should have a section there that says, if you're leaving, what, co what other schools should you leave for? Or would you leave for? Is basically what you're saying. You know, it should have that section where they, they reveal that and it's an honest thing that they say out. Now, I think that any coach going into a situation isn't thinking about what am I going to leave for? And no one wants to think that. No one has the intention of thinking that coming in. Now, any coach goes into a program saying, hey, I would rather be here. Is that coach, you know, is that program really going to be invested in that coach? And it's really hard to say that they would be or that they wouldn't take an offense to that because I think that they would. And I think a lot of people would. And so well, that's, I, I, I think, okay. tough about saying that. Yeah, but I don't agree with that. I really believe that if you're going to leave someplace after one year. Now, this isn't Willie Taggart being in Oregon for five years and then moving on to a different program. This is one year. Now, I don't know if you remember, but a few years back, Lane Kiffin took the job at Tennessee and he went in and did the same thing that Taggart did. I love Tennessee. I'm going to make this program something. He's going to be all of this and more. Okay. He was there one year. The USC job became available and he bolted to USC right. and he was trashed in the media and rightfully so. It's if you make a commitment to a place, you got to make a commitment. They've made a commitment to you for four years or five years or whatever your contract is. So at the end of one year, and this is why I say that it's different than you just taking a job and eventually four or five, six years down the road going to somewhere else. This is one year. So you have to know at, at, at the end of one year that, that there's only a few programs that you're going to go to. And Florida, being a Florida guy. After one year or before one year? After one year. Okay. Lane Kiffin went to USC after one year. Correct. Yes. And, and so, so you're and, saying that, that, that they knew that after a year. They didn't go into the program into Tennessee, into Oregon, knowing or thinking that they were going to be going. So it was after the year that they had that they thought that they would be going to USC or going to Florida State is what you're saying. No. Okay. I, I don't know what the confusion is. After the year. No, no. Right. Nobody knows going in other than the fact that Lane Kiffin knew that if USC became available, he was gone. Willie Taggart knew that if Florida State, because now he's all of this, you know, gosh, uh, that's the only program I would have left for. Well, if that's the only program you would have left for, this is a direct quote from him. Yeah. Then say that going in. If this job becomes available, that's my point. Lane Kiffin, it was USC. Now, do you know USC is going to need a coach at the end of the year? No. No, not at all. But the fact is that if that becomes available, I'm gone. But like, what about Alabama? How many coaches in the FBS would leave their coaching job for Alabama. If, if, if Saban left, Saban said, I'm retiring, I'm gone. How many of those coaches would say, I would go and pick up that program? I, I don't, 
I, I don't understand why you're, 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 why you're going here with this. Because well, it's just because it's, what it's I'm seeing, seeing is it from the, a different perspective. And I, and okay. yeah, the different perspective and is, is that Jamie, Christmas, but okay. We're getting a little bit too into the middle of this. My point is that if, if you're talking about standing up in front of people and saying you're honest and I'm here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you know, in the back of your mind that if there's something that comes up, if this job, if this is, if he's being honest now and saying Florida state's the only job I would have left Oregon for, then you say it up front. Do you think Oregon doesn't hire him? If he says that possibly, I doubt that it'd make any difference. Cause why would it? I don't, I don't know. You're trying to find someone that is wanting to be there longer. No one. Okay. Bottom line is anybody can go anywhere. That's the thing. Coaches can go anywhere they want to go. So you don't know. Okay. There's nothing that says that this is going to be forever with anything. Things can happen out of your control. Okay. But if you're going to tell me that this is the one job that you're going to take, that you're going to leave Oregon for, then you put it in there. You just say it. All right. Otherwise, then don't talk to me about honesty. Don't sit in a kid's front room and talk about Oregon. And an hour after you leave his front room, you're sitting at a resort in Scottsdale talking to Florida State. Okay. That's I, smarmy as far as I'm concerned. I believe it. And, and, and you Just, know what? You're right. Justin Wilcox was not going to take the Oregon job because he's in his first year at Cal. And he wasn't going to take the Oregon job because he just committed to Cal. What I'm telling you is that this is not normal. Lane Kiffin did it and got roasted, yeah. rightfully so. Because if you're going to take a four-year contract, unless you know that there is one job that you will take if it becomes available, and I don't think that that's going to preclude you from getting another job. And I think that Taggart's definitely been been blasted over the media and, and everything. You know, ESPN has definitely brought it up you know, I've over the last few days, I've I've turned on ESPN. I've seen it everywhere. You know, there it's definitely not um, being thrown under the radar. But I'm not sure that people are looking at him like they did Lane Kiffin. Well, they should. It's exactly the same thing. There's no difference between the two. And I, I don't disagree with that. Um, but for some reason, that doesn't seem to be the case. I think possibly the the fact of, of moving closer to your family and that, you know, that's where he's from. That's where you Lane know, Kiffin was from. Was Lane Kiffin from yes, LA? There's no difference. Yeah, I have no idea. There's no difference. Well, Other than people don't like Lane Kiffin and nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. Outside of Florida and Eugene, Willie Oregon, Taggart's nobody knows who, guy. who Willie, no, he's not. He, Willie Taggart, nobody knows who he is. Well, he was before all of this. I, well, okay. We all thought so. He tricked us all, and we all have bad. Well, as you about recall, it. during the year, I made several comments about his play calling, and totally his his coaching ability was has been suspect. Absolutely. And but, here's the other issue with Willie Taggart and Florida State. Good luck to him because they've got this smarmy piece of shit. Sorry, Alex. And they're it's his. You know, that's his job. That's where he's at. But what has he actually done? Yeah, I mean. He's, he's taken a job. He, he's been three years at one place, three years at another place, and one year at another place. And, and Well, and the reason why he got the one year at the other place was because of his ability in those three years to turn around the program. In each one of those three-year stunts that he had with the other programs, he totally reversed their record, you know, from, I believe it was like a 2-10 and 10 to a 10-2 and 2 
record one time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to be able to do that, of course, you have to be able to bring in talent, which is what he does. You have to be able to, um, you know, do something with it, which is coach and, and, and have, you know, somewhat of a good scheme and, 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 and coaching no, ability. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't know how to coach right. and I'm not saying he doesn't know how but to recruit. But I think that that's kind of where that. But my point with that is, okay, Western Kentucky and South Florida. Yeah. Okay. During the same period of time at South Florida, at Central Florida, Scott Frost took a team that was 0-12 and took them to 12-0. and Oh, yeah. Well, that's why okay. he, he is, yeah. But the the thing is, is there's a ton of talent in Florida. There's a lot of high school kids. Yeah. And it's kind of like Southern California in the fact that that you have so many players and there's only so many that USC and UCLA can take. And the other schools... And I do want to touch on UCLA a little bit, a little bit later. Okay. So anyway, what I wonder is... Now that he has his ultimate job, so apparently there's nothing else that he'll go right and and, and move on to. He's he, yeah he's so he's Florida there. State. But what I'm t- saying is he has not proven that he can sustain anything. Is he what is he going to do while he's there? It's one thing to build a program. It's another thing to keep it there. That's why the you know the the Nick Sabans and who else is in that? Um, Urban Meyer, I guess you could say. Yeah, Urban Meyer. Um, um, I don't Harbaugh, think, Jim I don't, Harbaugh. I don't, I don't know that you would say Harbaugh because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, his, his, I mean him in Stanford getting did there, very well. Getting there and sustaining it, but that, that was the thing about Harbaugh. You know, Harbaugh went from Stanford and took to them the up, Niners. To, to 49ers and took them to the Super Bowl. Right. Bailed out on there. Now he's gone to, to Michigan and he's taken them up to a 10-win team. But it's one thing to get it up there. It's another to sustain it. And that's what I wonder about Taggart. Now, I'm God, I'm done talking about Taggart. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, one more thing that I want to just, and it's not even about Taggart, but it just kind of piggybacks on that, you know, with coaches leaving after a year and just kind of jumping ship and not being loyal or not being, you know, it, it, it's being seen more often um, than in the past. And um, I think that that's definitely something that has affected the kids and the recruits and putting, you know, that kind of, well, if the coaches don't have to commit to these, they're actually getting paid and signing contracts and they don't have to commit to those. Why do I have to commit to, you know, this one school and, and, and stay with them? You know, there's a lot of decommitments happening and I think that that's part of it. I think that that kind of affects it. Right. Okay. Well, you know, the, the whole recruiting thing, that's, but that was just, I mean, that's just, I think that that does. And that's all we want to have to go into that. Now, something did happen today. Yes. Um, which was really exciting for us, at least, because the last, you know, 72 hours has been very hectic and crazy um, with all of Oregon has had several decommits since the Taggart um, leaving. And so uh, now Mario Cristobal, who is the offensive line coach, has now been uh, right. He was the, the elected co- the head coach. The, well, yeah, he was he was given the job. Right. I don't know if there was actually an election. An election. But it was, well, according to the players, I mean, they elected him. Right. The The players came out very solid for Cristobal. He was made the interim coach to coach for the bowl game yep. coming up on the 16th against Boise State. And I, I've listened to him quite a few times in his interviews, and I really like the guy. And he, you know, he has a history. He's been a head coach before. He was a head coach at Florida International. Okay. And was had 
some success, but it was a program. They talk about the, you know, the, the weight room was basically a racquetball court <laughs> and, you know, they would meet in the cafeteria. Yeah. You know, the facilities weren't quite the same as U of O. Right. But the thing about him is he's very intelligent. He really knows what he's talking about and he's very focused. Yeah. And obviously he is a very personable guy. Definitely. He has twice been named the number one recruiter in the nation. And he was the offensive line coach at Alabama, worked with Nick Saban. And so I I really like the guy. And he was, lot. again, the offensive line coach for Oregon. Yes. And he will retain that in being the head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that will be his position. Right. Um, moving forward, um, he did have a, uh, a conference today. And a couple other developments coming up from that was just that Arroyo, um, who is an offensive coordinator now, will take over play calling. So that was Taggart, I believe, last year. Right. Well, this yeah. During this year, Taggart yeah. played the, uh, called the plays. And that was my biggest issue is I didn't always like his play calling. I, I just, there were there were some things about it that I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of. Now, Arroyo. in times, yeah. Yeah, Arroyo was the co-offensive coordinator with Cristobal. Right. So I think the biggest thing now with Cristobal one of the things they're thinking is trying to keep this recruiting class together. And that was the as much as possible that kind of came up was that the movement hasn't stopped. Right. It's still, they're still, re- you know, still recruiting. Right. And I think hard. that this was the way that, that they could keep a lot of the kids that had committed to Oregon. But to me, even more important than that was keeping this staff together. Right. Because if we can keep uh, Jim Levitt and if we can keep Salavea and Arroyo, which the uh, the quarterback down here from Chandler, um, Hamilton High School, uh, just raves about Arroyo. Arroyo. Yeah. And he actually came in after Willie Taggart's guy, and I don't remember the guy's name, and it's not worth looking up, but the the first offensive coordinator that, that Taggart showed up with apparently didn't know how to uh, – to drive around Eugene, which you just, <laughs> you don't drive around Eugene at one o'clock in the morning if no, you've been drinking. That's true. Okay. Yeah. He did have that, that DUI, didn't he? So he got a DUI and was, and they let him go. And that's when they brought in Arroyo. Okay. That's right. That's right. You know, I just, I, there, there are so many players or I mean, so many coaches that we have that I would love to keep. Yeah. You know? uh, the other ones that actually are going to be, are likely to stay, it says here, um, obviously we talked about Arroyo, Joy Salavea. Um, uh, Charles Clark, our cornerbacks coach, right. should and should Hayward stay. and Hayward is also the safeties coach that should stay. Right, and I think that they will. Now the guys, uh, Woody and Pimpleton, are two guys that will go with Taggart because totally. they're his with, guys. Right, he was. They were with him. Now Lovett is is been said to be going to Florida State to be the defensive coordinator there. I don't know how set in stone that is. I don't think that that, I think that was a rumor. I don't think that there's any chance of that. Really? For I, several I, reasons. I hope not. Well, they already have a defensive coordinator under contract at Florida State. The other thing is there's a per- substantial buyout for, for Levitt. Yeah. And, you know, Florida State's already, like you said, you know, four and a half million dollars into this. Now to buy out Levitt, yeah, that's another um, you couple know, million, I'm sure. I don't know. You know, he is under contract. I know that he wanted the head coaching job. Right. There was a lot of things that came out, and, he, you know, he has oh, been. Oh, so he wanted at Florida State, he wanted that head coach. I know no, he no. wanted a head coaching no, job. No, he wanted Oregon. Oh. It, the, the thought was between Cristobal and, and Levitt. Levitt. And I think that Oregon should do anything they can to keep Levitt. 
because he did he did turn around the defense and I you know again we we can look back at at Helfrich and the things that he failed at and the worst thing that that he did was not having a clue who to hire because you know it just bringing in Brady Hoke ooh yeah which was just a horrible promoting stupid, Don Pelham before that even and Don Pelham you know. before that is not an offensive or a defensive coordinator yeah. um although Pelham is now with Kelly yeah. And we'll talk about that more on that later. Yeah. But I like, I like what's happening right now. The fact that, it, okay, can we keep this staff together? I think Cristobal really loves what he's found at Oregon. And now he has an opportunity. Now, again, we can't look into the future, but if we can keep the class together, we have. And the other thing is not having a lot of transfers from the existing group of players that we have. Yeah. So, you know, Kids can, when the coach leaves, they have an opportunity to transfer without penalty of, of sitting out of eligibility. Yeah. But, you know, again, the petition that was signed by 70 of the 100 players. Right. You know, there was a real social media movement. Krista Ballin, <laughs> hashtag Krista Ballin, went on uh, for the last few days. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, that this is our best shot at trying to not take Salvage a step back. Kind of what what has happened in the movement that we the positive movement that we've had over the last year. Um, do you think that there is a school that Cristobal has came out and said that he would leave Oregon for if, no, if the job became available? No, there's not. But again, it, it's a little different when you have a head coach going to a new school as opposed to a coordinator being elevated. You know, not everybody is going to put that that wish list of, oh, well, you know, if, if I can be, you know, the head coach of the 49ers, then I'm gone, you know. But the fact is, and a reason I, and I, I love that you brought this up again, so we could dive back into this. No, I shit. just, I know that it was one question. It was just a simple no, question. It, it was a yes or no question. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, the fact is that if, and, and again, Taggart says that this is the only job I would have left Oregon for. So if he hadn't said that, okay, then he's just a smarm. You know, I'll take any job. Yeah. You know, that'll pay me more money. I'm going to play them against you, and it's all a money grab, which, okay. But if he wants to stand up and try to keep some kind of credibility and say, well, you know, Rob Mullins, dude, this is the only place I would have gone. It's the only place I, you know, I know I told you I was committing for four years and I was going to make Oregon this and I was going to do this and I was going to do that. But dude, okay, listen, you know, Florida state comes calling, man, I got to go. I got to go. That's the only place I would have gone. If that's the case, this is his words. This is what he's saying. If that's the case, then say it up front. But I'm done with this. Right. We're going to move on. The the question was not even about like Yes it was. Yes it was. It was about Cristobal and if he had another place. I just okay. genuinely I don't know much about Cristobal and his past. Yeah, right. So I just wanted to right. know if there right. was any place that you knew of no, man, that he just... had ties with that possibly he might leave for. So you're you're really taggarding me? <laughs> I'm just I'm just, just you 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 say just saying it how it is, man. All right. So okay. I really, I think that what's happened lately is is the best thing that can happen. Cristobal, I like him a lot. I agree. I think he can be a really uh, good head coach. He has a, a tremendous background, not only at, you know as a head coach, so he knows what the job entails, but also working with Nick Saban. Yeah. 
and winning a national championship and, you know, being at successful programs. I think this is just a you know, really good opportunity for him. And he is every bit the recruiter that, that Willie Taggart is. Yeah, that anyone was on that team. I mean, who's not to say that he was a huge factor in a lot of those recruits. And, and I think that I've said it to you personally, but I would like to say it out in the air that I think and hope that he's able to grab some of the recruits that have left and decommitted already due to the inconsistency or just, you know, the, uh, just not knowing what's going well, the, on. The uncertainty. Uncertainty. Thank you. Um, exactly. And, and I, th- yeah, I think, I think there are a couple that, that will come back, but the fact is there's a bunch that were, that didn't actually decommit and that were waiting to see what happened. Yeah. The other interesting thing about this is that if we're able to keep this staff together, which it looks like that's going to be the attempt to yeah. keep these guys together because they're all quality recruiters, then the fewer people that leave, that kind of tells you that, you know, if somebody decommits and goes somewhere else, well, then maybe the main reason they were going there was because of Taggart. Yeah. But since all the position coaches, since everybody recruits, if these kids continue to come and they, they continue to to you know, align themselves and sign on the 20th of December or in February, that kind of tells you that it wasn't just Taggart. They were coming because of Oregon and they were coming because of the assistant coaches and the other people that were recruiting. And that's what I'd like to see. I'd I'd like to see the, you know, the bulk of this class uh, and even grow it. There's some, there's some players out there that we can still grab and we can still be in on. Yeah, moving forward, and I think that you're right. I think it was, it's going to be fun for us to watch over the next couple of months, to see exactly how this plays out, you know, moving forward, which how the class finishes, and uh, I think that's going to be just really exciting for the Oregon fans to watch. Well, exactly, and and one of the biggest things was getting this settled because this weekend, starting tonight, actually, kids are showing up. You know, it was going to be on the fifteenth uh, next weekend. They were having a big recruiting kind of weekend. A lot of the players from that have already committed were going to show up, but then also some of the targets that they have were going to show up. And since we're playing on the 16th, you really couldn't do that on the 15th. So yeah. they've switched it to this weekend. And now that it's set, so it's not up in the air. Right. You know, you don't have this uncertainty. The uncertainty, you know, you don't have a staff that may not be there. A cloud over, after, the, over the program. After the 16th. Now these guys that are there that are going to welcome these kids and, you know, make it a great weekend. And almost gloat about Cristobal and what they know and those kind of things. Well, well, exactly. And what you alluded to earlier about the fact that the, you know, the petition that was signed and and how many kids came out uh, for Cristobal and now they're happy. So, and that's a lot when it comes to recruiting and you get kids on campus. programs, is is everyone that's there already happy? Right. The existing players, because there's a lot of interaction between existing players and and the recruits. You know, I, I think Rob Mullins did a good job with that. And, you know, I, I really anticipate it being a positive weekend. Yeah. And I really think that, you know, Boise State is rated 25th in the nation. And, of course, we're not rated at all. Right. Being a 7-5 and five team, I would like to. I saw us being 25 on someone's ratings. I don't remember where. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I haven't seen us being rated at all all really? year. But. Boise State is 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 twenty five. Yeah. And you know, I think we can kick their butts. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that the team well, we're not a seven and five team as we alluded to earlier. Exactly. We we have we have weapons and, and we have 
shown that with Herbert at at the reins and with him, you know, behind the center, it's it's a completely different team, and and we could beat quite a few play teams in in the uh, yeah no I, the country. I agree, and it's still I haven't seen the definitive whether uh, Crosby's going to play or if. Uh, Freeman's going to play. Right. The seniors coming in. This really only happened last year that I can remember. Yeah. Where players some, that some are, of the elite players have said, I'm not going to play in the bowl game. The ones that they know they've done enough to get, you know, that, that maybe even what they do in the bowl game is not going to affect their draft stock. Well, if, I don't think it ever does, to right. be honest. I don't think anybody has ever played in a, a bowl game in their senior season and all of a sudden launched them into, you know, the first round of the draft. Yeah. This one game that they had for four years is all of a sudden. Right. I think it's something. more about, I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of get that, but I also feel like, you know, what the hell? You yeah, know, you spent four years with this you, program. You've and, earned it. Even if you go in and you don't have to play the whole game. Right. You know, but to play the first couple series, yeah, be a part of it, you know, sit out. so we'll see. You know, I haven't heard, like I said, I haven't heard definitively, which, you know, with either one of those guys. It might be something where Cristobal comes out and, and, you know, is able to let him know that, hey, you know, there's stability now. Maybe that was part of it. You know, I don't know if I'm pretty sure that actually came out before the whole Taggart thing. So it did. And it comes back, like I said, last year where uh, that smarmy little Stanford, what was his name? What? Who? Oh, the kid from Stanford. And then there was a Um, McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. He decided not to play in Stanford's bowl game. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then Fournette, I think, was the other one. Yeah, that, Leonard Fournette. That said that I'm not going to play in the bowl game. Like I said, I'd never, I'd never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, it's... Everybody always played in a bowl game if you had the opportunity to. Again, I think you saw part of it. I think it, it, it related to the NFL when you have pro bowlers not playing the Pro Bowl because the Super Bowl was after it. So they wouldn't. Well, if you were in the Super Bowl, you never played in the Pro Bowl. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But that that's because you were practicing. That that wasn't, you know, the, the whole Pro Bowl, I'm not going to play in the Pro Bowl. That became oh, an epidemic. Oh, I thought it was because they just, they didn't want to get hurt in the Pro Bowl and not play in the Super well, Bowl. Well, no, they, no they, they never even showed up. It wasn't even an option because they were still practicing. They had another game. Oh, okay. No, guys not playing in the Pro Bowl. It's like Major League Baseball there for a while. I don't understand. You, you're an all-star. But the elite all-stars, the annual, you know, guys that made it every year, yeah, they were like, oh, you know, well, I have a hangnail, you know, or, you yeah. know, I've, I've got, you know, hemorrhoids or something. I don't know. <laughs> they, they all came up with excuses why they didn't want to go and play. Right. And I never could understand that one either. Yeah, who knows? I want to touch on... UCLA. Chip Kelly. Ukla. Now, you know, when it comes to him and, and his stint that he had, I've, I know we have our uh, perspective. Okay. And you don't... I don't even know. I finished mine. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So, okay. oh, there we go. We're, we're sharing. sharing. Thank you. I was, you know. Yeah. Now, we have... We have our our thoughts on Chip Kelly in in, in that whole um, situation, going to UCLA and and what he's done for Oregon. I think we respect what he did at Oregon. You know, we respect him as a coach. Um, but I think that going to UCLA, I don't think that he's going to do very well. But it seems that the world 
that I've seen and heard talk about this so far has said that it could be extremely dangerous in the sense that there's, like we've even said earlier in this podcast, a lot of players in South California. And that if he can make UCLA cool, if he can make them the school to go to um, for one reason or another, whether it be his play calling or scheme or the you know him the way he talks or whatever that he could get a lot of recruits and they could potentially be dangerous i mean it's not like they don't already get recruits they have had some nfl talent some great players coming through them you know if they get a couple more they could be up there i think with with ucla or uh, usc sorry well that's always been you know the crosstown rivalry it's always been you know the big thing and and everybody that you know, one is up, the other is up, back and forth. USC, though, kind of is the benchmark, and it has been for a long time. Now, the thing about Chip Kelly, I love what he did for Oregon. Right. What Oregon did for him was even more important. Right. And groundbreaking, because pulling him out of New Hampshire, you know, catapulted him because of the facilities, because of... of Oregon looked like a genius at that point. Team was there. Well, and they were. Yeah. They absolutely were. And he, you know, Chip Kelly, even though his, his full intention from the beginning was to get to the NFL and going back to an earlier conversation, he had a commitment and he stayed. Okay. Everybody knew he was leaving eventually for the NFL. Yeah. And he did. The thing that the Chip Kelly brought, he brought the innovation of playing fast. Right. The hurry up offense. The spread offense had already been around, but he was a run first spread offense. The things, the innovations that he did are across college football now. Right. Everybody does it. It's crazy. Okay. So now can he reinvent? Can he come up with something new again? And that's the challenge. It took, you know, you look at all of the years that he was at New Hampshire as an an assistant coach and, you know, being in, you know, the New England area, knowing Bill Belichick and, and, you know, there, there was a lot of things that he was doing. And, and the great thing about Chip Kelly is he, you know, he's a sponge. Right. I mean, all he cares about, he doesn't care about the money. I mean, he's still getting paid from the 49ers. He's, you know, he's still getting paid from Philadelphia. He's got more money than he ever could possibly spend. So it's never been about that for him. It's about the innovation of football. And what can he do at UCLA that everybody else isn't doing? He can't go to UCLA and do the same thing he did at Oregon. Right. Because everybody knows that. Exactly. And they figured out how to stop it. Everyone's doing that. Part of his problem in the NFL is that, it wasn't just kids he was dealing with and he was trying to control everything from their caloric intake to their amount of fluids, to their sleep patterns, to everything. I mean, he's looking at the science of an athlete and you know, it's innovative, but these guys are pros and they don't really want that. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see what he tries to incorporate back into college. Cause one thing I remember at Oregon, he never liked recruiting. He doesn't like the idea of being held hostage by a 19-year-old kid or an 18-year-old kid or a 17-year-old kid that wants him to jump through hoops for them. No, and I think that that because of that, he gets a certain type of player. And I think that that's something that is is a good thing. But it can also mean that you lose out on a lot of, uh, a lot of players. Well, I think he needs to surround himself with, with quality recruiters. He just needs to be the closer. Yeah. Because, like I said, he just doesn't like that. And I don't know that it's, you know, any particular type of player. I think that, you know, just the concept that, okay, this, you know, this 18-year-old kid, I, you know, I remember when, when he was at Oregon, 
his big thing when the, the day that everybody signed, which most every university and Oregon had always done in the past was all about the new recruits. Cause that's the first time after they signed, then you could talk about them. You could not talk about them before that. So once they signed, he didn't even want to talk about them. He would go out with the existing team and they would practice or they would go and do something. So that particular signing day was never about the recruits. Right. And that was very unique. And that was very telling to me that the way that Chip Kelly handled that. Now, I'm very curious to see what he does because I am a Chip Kelly fan. And, you know, I'll be very curious to see what he does at UCLA and, and you know, what he does with recruiting and what he does with the staff. I agree. There's a couple of guys, obviously, you know, he's brought in Don Pelham. Right, as a, as a linebacker's coach. As a linebacker's coach. Don't get that one. I'm not I, sure the smartest move, but no. you know what? It's it's someone that knows him, someone that has been successful with him, and someone that can speak for him. And I think that even in uh, it, lack of skill, lack of his ability to do maybe the job better than someone else, that is valuable to Chip Kelly. And that is something that he can use to even recruit a better staff alongside of him and him hmm. being able to use Don Pelham in that way. Okay. Interesting take. And Avizano is his defensive coordinator. Who's he was the defensive line coach at Oregon Okay, and then went to Philadelphia and San Francisco. So he's one of those guys that kind of joined at the hip. Got you with chip Kelly. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. And, uh, the, the two staff members at Oregon that I know are leaving is Woody and Pippleton, because those two guys have been with with Taggart for forever. Right. So we're going to need to add, you know, a, a uh, running backs coach, a running backs coach, and uh, special teams is what Woody did, I think. I and I'm not sure. The biggest thing with with uh, those two, and I saw an article today from the Sheldon High School coach, because Woody and uh, and Willie Taggart Jr. or whatever that kid's name is were two of the best players. Oh yeah, Sheldon. On Sheldon's team. And then Johnson, his son, the wide receivers coach, who they believe is going to stay, uh, his son is one of the top recruits in the nation as a quarterback. Oh wow. And so the you know the question was is he is his dad going to stay? So is he going to stay at Sheldon? And you know what's going to happen with that? Right. No, that'll definitely be interesting to see that development. I'm sure that Taggart's son and <laughs> you know, and, and the other kid's son are going to be leaving Sheldon and oh, probably yeah, going no, to Florida for sure. But yeah, they're going to Florida. The other kid, the quarterback. I mean, I remember Johnson. About if him. he stays, yeah, if he stays, that's big time. Yeah. Well, lots of of craziness that's been going on, yep. and we both believe that that the outcome was as good as it could be. I agree. I would have liked to have seen everything stay normal and Taggart stay for a few years and see what can happen. But I really like Mario Cristobal due to what has happened and, and him stepping in rather than them bringing in someone else. Someone was, was uh, brought up. Yeah. It was mentioned for sure. That would have been an interesting jumble of coaches as they just kind of switch spots. Right. And, and the, you know, the thing is that's a whole new staff then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing in a second new staff in two and, years and it's just, you can't right. So this way destroy we're a program that way. What Oregon has always done in the past 
when it comes to a head coach is elevate an offensive coordinator and it's always worked until they hired Taggart. And so they went back to what they know, which is elevate the offensive coordinator to the head coach. Hopefully that works. And we'll see. And we'll get a chance uh, next Saturday, a week from tomorrow, uh, to see what what that kind of looks like. Absolutely. And and the play calling. I'm excited. So, yeah. Cool. Well, okay, I think we've beat this to death. Definitely. sure they've all heard enough about it. Yeah, I know I have. Yeah, me too. And I love the Ducks. And I'm done. All right. All right, guys. More perspectives later. We're living in a world of capital over progression. When you can shop for spreading love, but on a wealth obsession. Money can't help you see the light. In the end, you can't buy yourself a Porsche when you're dead. Well, mama said that I don't gotta be part of the world to truly love. Pray for a difficult life to live and rise above it. This is the time I'm asked. So this be tasted. So let's do everything we can before I today point them out to me so i can come and join their raid we'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change we'll want to understand this progression we have at hand humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand i say let's progress in good contest make conference then love our best our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines our love that makes no sense we who spend love at no expense we are a force of power